We're switching things up this week to mark the end of summer, running some of our favorite conversations we've had since News O'Clock began in April. Our first interview today is with Brian Baumgartner, a.k.a. Kevin from the smash hit show The Office. Plus, we talked to two gym owners about the wild Zoom call that led to the eventual resignation of the CEO of CrossFit. The date, September 2nd, 2020. The time, News O'Clock. Hey friends, I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock. This week is all about revisiting some of the interviews we've done since the show kicked off. Each day this week, we'll be bringing you two of our favorite News O'Clock conversations. First up today is actor Brian Baumgartner to chat with us about his new tell-all podcast on the backstory of The Office. We got to talk to him right as the series launched, and he told us all about that famous chili scene. Have a listen. It's been over 15 years since The Office first premiered on television in the U.S., but to this day, it remains a fan favorite. To chronicle the story of the iconic show, Brian Baumgartner, who played the hilarious Kevin Malone, has launched a new podcast called An Oral History of the Office. Brian is here with us today to take a stroll down memory lane and tell us all about his new podcast. Welcome, Brian. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So it's hard to overstate just how influential The Office was and remains. It really feels like one of those shows that will just never stop being relevant. So first question, do people still call you Kevin when they see you on the street? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, part of why part of why I, I decided or wanted to do this podcast was, um, you know, we were the number one scripted show on NBC for mm. a long time. But the show is more popular today, we mm-hmm. feel, than it was then. I mean, just in terms mm-hmm. of fan recognition, um, we haven't filmed the show in seven years. Right. But today it's the most watched show in television, which is a crazy stat. I I know in 2018, over 82 billion, that's billion minutes were streamed on Netflix uh, alone. That doesn't count DVD watching or Comedy Central watching or any of that stuff. So um, part of why I wanted to do this podcast is to look at why. Why? Why is that? Why is it connecting with younger fans now? Um, you know, if there's anything that we can find that that points us to why now the show is so popular today. Um, and I also think it's so interesting, like you're saying, the younger generations, Billie Eilish, she has been very uh, open about how she just loves The Office, even putting some of the theme song in her music. I mean, it really is such an interesting phenomenon. Uh, it's yeah, it's crazy. Like I am in a Billie Eilish song like seven <laughs> Like that is a, that's a crazy, crazy thing. (laughs) So true. Okay. So Kevin isn't always the uh, most intelligent or smoothest person. What was it like to play that character? I had a blast playing him. I mean, I I felt like there was a deep humanity to him Mm. and, um, you know, uh, the chili scene, for example, has become a huge <laughs> phenomenon, right? But I, I think the one of the reasons, I hope why, is because we can relate to a guy who just wants to succeed at something, mm. that just is trying really, really hard to succeed at something. And, and hopefully, you know, part of that uh, humanity of the character, not just the comedy, is, is what attracts people to him. So how... Many. We just have to, how many takes did it take to film the chili scene? <laughs> just one take, my friend. Just one take. A master at work. Yeah, what? That's right. 
Did you know it was going to be so iconic when you were filming it? Or was just like, well, now this chili's on the floor. Next scene. No, I, I well, that was definitely filmed at the end of the day. There was some cleanup that needed to happen. Um, but no, I, I, I had no idea at the time. I mean, I, I thought it was funny. It was a departure in a lot of ways from from really anything else the show ever did, maybe mm-hmm. in those nine years. Um, just in terms of it, you know, existing over a, a voiceover and sort of the, the way it was just a singular character. Um, you know, that kind of stuff didn't happen very often. But no, I had no idea that it would live in Jiffy Land or whatever. Forever. <laughs> and I actually know a lot of fans have wanted to try that chili before. Have you ever tried to make it yourself? Is there a recipe? <laughs> I have a recipe. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I do make chili. But there's... <laughs> There's no chance I'll tell it to you. (laughs) Trade secret. That's right. (laughs) Okay, so your show features in-depth interviews with some of your former cast members, including Steve Carell and John Krasinski. Did you learn anything new while interviewing them that surprised you? Oh, for sure. I mean, that's the thing that's crazy, right? Like like an oral history and, and going back, you know, I mean, the podcast starts really before the show even aired and and how uh, Ben Silverman got the rights uh, from Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant um, from, from the British version. And, and, you know, your memory changes over 15 years. Mm. And, you know, I remembered some things that other people didn't. And, and I, but yeah, I mean, I think that there are things that either people don't know or, or forget about that. And so I think that they're the context of the show and the fact that for the first two years, we were like, it's not like building drama. Like we were literally dead on arrival. And so, you know, things that happened around that time that, you know, courageous moves that people at the network and um, the creatives on the show did to help the show, how the show changed slightly during that time that enabled the show to stay on the air. And then outside forces that happened um, that, you know, kept it on the air. One of those things, probably the the biggest thing that people would be aware of if they were aware that the office came first, which was 40 year old virgin, mm. um, you know, came out and were it not for 40 year old virgin coming out at that time, there, there's no question that the show would not have gone forward. But, um, you know, I think there, there was a, a thought that well, now we have Steve Carell, who maybe is the biggest comedy movie star. Maybe we should should give this thing a, another look. And it's not just that there were, you know, the episode, the podcast episode we call a billion things had to go right in order for the show to stay on. And a lot of those things that we discuss, I think that they'll be interesting for people, mm-hmm. especially watching it now again on Netflix and being able to see like, oh, wow, that that was changed because of this or that. I, I, I think that stuff is interesting. I completely agree. As a general history nerd and especially television history nerd, I completely agree with you. I'm really excited to listen to it. But for now, Brian, if you think you know so much about The Office at this point, we have a little quiz for you. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. I'm not great at this. All right. Don't, don't worry. It's only three questions. Do you... Wait, are, are you are you fans of The Office? Oh, yes. 100%. All right. Then I have a quiz question. Off- oh. Oh, oh okay. really? You've, okay. They've turned. <laughs> you've, you've written what? Oh, well, I, I write for BuzzFeed. I've written many of those trivia quizzes about The Office on the site. Oh. But Betsy, I don't have a great memory, right. but I love the show. All right. <laughs> All right, you 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 go first. 
Okay. 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 <laughs> so we pulled these questions from a BuzzFeed.com quiz by Liz Richardson called the hardest the office questions from each season. We'll only do a few with you. So don't worry about remembering everything from every season. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Let's start with season three. Yes, the confidence. We'll start with season three. Here's your first question. In the episode Back from Vacation, Michael returns to the office from a trip to Jamaica with A, beads in his hair, B, a new haircut, C, dreadlocks, D, none of the above. Beads in his hair. You are extremely correct. He has the beads in his hair. He shakes his hair around. You hear oh, the God. clankety clank. <laughs> there you go. All right. Now I feel confident. Let's go. Okay, then let's jump to season five. Which two employees accidentally wear matching outfits to work in the episode Casual Friday? Is it A, Angela and Phyllis? B, Pam and Meredith? C, Pam and Phyllis? D, Angela and Meredith? Okay, so I remember Meredith. That is the very funny thing where she loses her dress. <laughs> so her dress goes down and she loses her dress. And then people yell at her for her boob is out. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's, um, I'm going to say Pam and Phyllis. Nailed it. You got you, that correct. Yes. Oh, it's, they're, they're wearing those iconic purple outfits. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. But you're right. That Meredith scene is one of the funniest scenes ever. First, <laughs> her boobs are out. Then her underwears. Well, no, I don't even think she's wearing underwear. So it's yeah. a whole old scenario. <laughs> All okay, right. Last Oof. one from season eight. And this one involves Kevin. When Daryl and Toby compete over selling the most Girl Scout cookies for their daughters, who ends up winning by selling the most cookies to Kevin? Is it A, Daryl, B, Toby, C, it's a tie, or D, neither of them wins? I think neither of them wins. <gasps> Oh my, you're too you good. You are at correct. This. You are correct. <laughs> they both end the competition after getting tired of Kevin's ideas that forced them to compete against each other in humiliating ways. And yeah, nailed it. <laughs> you got three wow. out of three right. Congratulations. Wow. Thank you. What do, what do I win? Oh, uh, pride, honor, pride. Okay. <laughs> Respect, I, exposure. All right, here's, all right, here's here's mine. I'm Ready? so scared. Yeah. This, I was told at one point, and I don't remember trivia stuff like this very well, but at some point I was told this was like the finale, final trivia question on some, yeah, I don't know what. But oh anyway, God. and this this question has stuck with me. <clears throat> Ready? I don't mm -hmm. know what season. I, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's late. I don't know. What is Gabe Lewis's <gasps> middle name? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. I'm out, too. That is a deep cut one. That is a good final question for a trivia one. Okay. Susan. Susan. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it was going to be a woman's middle name. Oh. Gabriel Susan Lewis. Yes. <laughs> Gabe, what a character on The Office. Came in late, but sticks with you. <laughs> there you go. That's right. Okay, listeners, if you want to take the quiz, you can do so on BuzzFeed.com. Brian, thank you for taking this quiz with us. Uh, where can people hear your new podcast? Uh, an Oral History of the Office is available on Spotify for free. The first three episodes uh, launched this week, and then we'll roll out one new episode every week for the next 10. Awesome. We'll definitely be listening. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. 
I'm so glad we got the chance to revisit that interview. For the real nerdy fans of the show, Brian was recently featured on episode 8 of Spotify's An Oral History of the Office podcast, where he revealed a romance he pitched for the script that never ended up happening. In case you're curious. When we come back, we'll be talking about racism at CrossFit. So stick around. Chief-It. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from Chief-It. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. This is Roxanne Gay, host of the Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams. Now, what is the Roxanne Gay Agenda, you might ask? Well, it's a podcast where I'm going to speak my mind about what's on my mind, and that could be anything. Every week, I will be in conversation with an interesting person who has something to say. We're going to talk about feminism, race, writing in books and art, food, pop culture, and yes, politics. I start each show with a recommendation. Really, I'm just going to share with you a movie or a book or maybe some music or a comedy set, something that I really want you to be aware of and maybe engage with as well. Listen to the Luminary Original Podcast, The Roxanne Gay Agenda, The Bad Feminist Podcast of Your Dreams, every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? I'm Rashad Bilal. And I am Troy Millings, and we are the hosts of the Earn Your Leisure podcast, where we break down business models and examine the latest trends in finance. We hold court and have exclusive interviews with some of the biggest names in business, sport and entertainment. From DJ Khaled to Mark Cuban, Rick Ross, and Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, our alumni list is expansive. Listen in as our guests reveal their business models, hardships, and triumphs in their respective fields. The knowledge is in-depth, and the questions are always delivered from your standpoint. We want to know what you want to know. We talk to the legends of business, sports, and entertainment about how they got their start, and most importantly, how they make their money. Earn Your Leisure is a college business class mixed with pop culture. Want to learn about the real estate game? Unclear as how the stock market works? We got you. Interested in starting a trucking company or a vending machine business? Not really sure about how taxes or credit work? We got it all covered. The Earn Your Leisure podcast is available now. Listen to Earn Your Leisure on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. For our second interview today, we're talking to two gym owners about a wild Zoom call in mid-June that led to the resignation of CrossFit CEO Greg Glassman. This includes one Minneapolis owner who confronted him directly on the subject of the Black Lives Matter protests and where the multi-billion dollar company stands. Enjoy the interview. Welcome back. Earlier this week, BuzzFeed News reported on a heated Zoom call between CrossFit gym owners and now ex-CEO Greg Glassman that led to Glassman's resignation on Tuesday. On the call, CrossFit gym owners asked Glassman why he had not yet issued a statement in support of Black Lives Matter. One gym owner in particular, Hannah Widevin, pressed Glassman for approximately 45 minutes. Her gym, Salkana Fitness, is about a mile away from where Floyd was killed. At the start of their back and forth, Widevin said to Glassman, quote, 
our community is reeling. People are in mourning. I don't think we've seen anything come out from CrossFit headquarters in terms of our response to that situation. Glassman's response was, quote, we're not mourning for George Floyd. I don't think me or any of my staff are. Can you tell me why I should mourn for him? Today, we're joined by Hannah Whitevin, the CrossFit gym owner from Minneapolis who pressed Glassman on that call. We're also joined by Say K. Brown, co-founder of CrossFit HCS Gym in Michigan. Thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks. Hannah, I want to start by asking you about that Zoom call. Did you go in knowing that you would confront Glassman? I went in knowing I wanted to ask the question. I didn't necessarily expect it to be a confrontation, but I wasn't altogether surprised based on Glassman's history with CrossFit and and race. So I think I was just lucky that uh, I was able to be on the call because they they really asked random affiliate owners to do it. Mm. And it was just happened to be me that Friday that they asked to do it on Saturday. Um, so I, I talked to a few people at my gym and told them kind of what I was thinking. And they said, we would, lo- we want you to do that as our, as our gym owner. Mm. I mean, that call went on for a really long time. It's reported that the call was approximately 75 minutes long and it included several different flavors of conspiratorial rants from Glassman. How did it feel to be on the receiving end of that? For me, it was just confirmation of stuff I already knew. Like Seike and I talked about yesterday, a lot of this stuff is not surprising. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a white gym owner, I might have been able to uh, not necessarily feel the consequences of all of it, but it didn't surprise me to hear him say that. It surprised me that he would do it on a public call, but it didn't surprise me that he believes that. Right. He went to like several different weird tangents about George Floyd being targeted by the FBI and the coronavirus being made in a Chinese lab. I I, I just have to know, though, how uh, did it feel to actually be the person who he was like directing it at? Like you, he was like you, he responded to a question from you with all of these like random wild things. Did you ever have a moment thinking, okay, I, I need to hang up now, or I need to say something more and push back harder. I wished at that moment, I wish I'd had a better vocabulary to speak to the issues that he was bringing up because, you know, like my ability as a white person to speak to other white people about race is like it needs to be worked on. I need area. I need to improve at it. And that really showed me because I've never actually spoken to someone like Glassman about that. It's Mm. always been people who are like just a little bit less knowledgeable than, than they need to be, or we're, we're on a similar page and we can learn together, but to really directly speak to somebody who doesn't believe that systemic racism is a thing or that police brutality is real. It was really hard for me in the moment to have my tools. And it, it taught me that like, I need to go and make sure those tools are sharper. Say, mm. you were not on that zoom call. What was your reaction when you heard about what happened? Yeah, I think, um, I echo Hannah. I'm not, I'm not surprised so much by what had happened publicly, him not saying anything, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact that it went to this whole conspiracy theory side was honestly scary to me. Mm. You know, when people of um, with any type of power or influence have that level of out of touch unawareness, and they've created the team that are that's around them, made me worry for everyone that was in HQ. So 
to me, I'm, 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 I'm drained. I can't get any more outraged these days. So <laughs> now it's, it's mostly just reflection. And now I'm, I'm curious about everyone else in HQ and if they either felt like he had such a strong hand, they couldn't say anything and they wanted, you know, to be that person, like, I'm going to try to do what I can under him. Or was it true? Did no one else around him feel like they were mourning George Floyd's death? Now that you've had time to reflect, what do you think you would have said if you were on that Zoom call? (sighs) That's actually a route I haven't gone down. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) You know, it's, for me, it's, it's so in, it's so deeply emotional and personal that, you know, to me, I don't know if I would even be able to get out, get out words. You know, I'm so CrossFit means so much to me that, you know, for me, I I probably would have started crying. You know, it would have been like, Mm. I would have seen like the crumbling of something I believed in, like go away. So I am not a member. I clearly am not a member. You guys can see me on the Zoom call right now, but, um, Based on what I've heard from friends and what you both have mentioned about how you weren't surprised, uh, it, there have been issues with, let's say, racial diversity at CrossFit for a minute, it seems like. Seike, has that been your experience or has it not? It definitely has been. You know, we in in terms of like where I started, the first person I ever saw was Elizabeth Akinwale. So that was like, I saw her at games. It was... Sorry, really you know, quickly, who who is that for... People like myself who aren't familiar with that name. Yes. Um, games athlete, phenomenal coach, um, all around woman. She, if you follow her on, um, on Instagram, it's E. Ikenwale. And um, she runs a gym in Chicago now uh, on the South Side called 13th Flow. So once you, it was that typical, you see someone who looks like you doing something that influences you to know that you can do it as well and feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And many of these gyms, you know, the first gyms I walked into, of course, they're predominantly white, but I was very lucky when I got into my, um, I went to a black woman owned gym. You know, I was very lucky to have a diverse gym to blossom in. Mm. We know because we travel a lot and we're always popping into gyms and I'm having to do the typical, you know, go through it, social media. Okay. Let me see what this owner is about. Let me see who's in the gym. Make me sure one, it'd be great if there was some diversity, but honestly, that's always, you know, ah, that's a reach. The second would be, okay, do they not, you know, do they at least come off as somewhere I'd be comfortable to just at least drop into? Mm-hmm. You both own CrossFit gyms. Glassman has, of course, stepped down, but the newly appointed CEO of CrossFit, Dave Castro, is already facing questions about his commitment to diversity after he ignored a question about it at last year's CrossFit Games. Um, Hannah, are you happy with the new leadership? We de-affiliated, so I'm no longer affiliated with CrossFit. It was um, something I had planned on doing, and I met with a few other gyms in my area, and we made a plan together to first step de-affiliate Second step, meet with some organizations locally who can help us build anti-racism plans and then meet quarterly so that we can hold each other accountable to the plan. That's our reaction and the way we're doing it. But I know that Seike has a different experience with that. Yeah, Seike, can you speak to yours? Yeah, we're about two and a half going into our third year. Um, So like any small business, no matter the market, you know, you're just trying to survive those first two or three years. Mm -hmm. Um, So for us, we don't have that same um, history or um, financial pudding to be able to just switch over immediately. Mm. So for us, all of our members know exactly what we're about. 
But for our current business plan, we're having to build in months in advance this Mm -hmm. switchover um, just for, you know, financial stability um, and everything that it requires to um, disaffiliate in, in a good way. Right. So you're keeping your affiliation for now, it sounds like. What do you want to see with the new leadership while you're making this transition? I don't want to leave it at like, it doesn't matter what they do, (laughs) but (laughs) honestly, the move to Castro is means little to nothing for me. You know, that move meant nothing. Everything is internal. Still, they made a a statement in the journal article that kind of talked about, you know, their dysfunction internally, but it didn't clearly state any things that they were doing to diversify this group that seems to have such dysfunction And even if they didn't have a plan, they didn't even state that they were working on a plan. They just Mm -hmm. said, hey, we're dysfunctional. So this is why it's taken us so long. This is our statement. We're working on this dysfunction. And it's, it means little to nothing. I would just add to that, that the the rest of the HQ staff hasn't changed as far as we know, besides the people who have voluntarily resigned. And on the call I was on, like one of the things that hasn't come across in some of the articles that have come out is the way that the other HQ people on this on the call treated me in response to this, uh, what really came after me about lacking loyalty and said, do you know how many black people CrossFit is going to save? So I want to be clear in this communication that we know things aren't changing at HQ just Mm -hmm. because Greg Glassman stepped down. He's still a hundred percent owner. Dave Mm -hmm. Castro and Greg Glassman Glassman have always been each other's right-hand man. Nothing has changed as far as I can tell. Agreed. Hannah, say, Kate, thank you both so much for joining us for this uh, conversation. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Join us tomorrow for two more classic News O'Clock conversations with screenwriter Alana Bennett discussing blackface on TV and film, plus Bleach Report's Master Tesfatsian talking about The Last Dance and why people are so in love with this Michael Jordan-approved look back. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember, set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. Socks are the number one most requested item in homeless shelters. Underwear is the second, shirts are third. At Bombas, socks were first. Made with comfortable details for everyday wearing. Then underwear and shirts too. All designed to perfectly fit. At Bombas, every item you purchase means you're donating an essential clothing item to someone in need. One comfortable clothing item for you, one donated to someone in need. Bombas. Comfort for all. Get 20% off your purchase at bombas.com comfy. This season, get football on your terms with NFL Game Pass. Let's go! See every snap from every game with full game replays. What a throw, what a catch! Listen to all the action as it happens with live game audio. Watch the dog, G! Leaping grab Devontae Adams! Plus watch your team on your time with condensed game replays. Get football on your terms with NFL Game Pass. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. What's up, what's up? This is Robin Dixon, co-host of Reasonably Shady, which has just been nominated for an NAACP Image Award in the Outstanding Arts and Entertainment Podcast category. This is so big for Giselle and I. And of course, we must thank all of our fantastic listeners. But we need your help. 
Visit vote.naacpimageawards.net to vote for Reasonably Shady. That's vote.naacpimageawards.net. But don't wait. Voting closes on February 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern. And make sure to listen to Reasonably Shady every single Monday on the Black Effect Podcast Network.